Hello, my name is Jonathan Swift, the Content Director of the InfoPro Digital Insurance Division. And I'm here today with the latest podcast to supplement the future focus series that Insurance Post is doing in conjunction with risk, where we take a look at different facets of what insurance what the insurance market might look like in 2030. Now, today we are focusing on personal injury and the roadmap we might take to get to a world where after a number of false starts, the government finally introduces the whiplash reforms in April 2022. A world where there's an increase in the use of remote trials, dispute resolution for personal injury claims, including the use of mediated joint settlement meetings before going to court. And automation has also become prevalent in settling low value personal injury claims. A world where electronic notification of loss in motor claims is common and concerns persist in EL claims pertaining to home workers with CMCs looming large. Now I'm delighted to say joining me for today's recording, we have Mark Hewitt of Verisk Director and Mark Strang, a Senior Business Development Manager at Verisk. Welcome both. Good afternoon. Hi. So um, Mr Hewitt, Mark Hewitt, I'll come to you first of all. In our, our hypothesis, we have the whiplash reforms moving back again till 2022 due to a combination of COVID-19 and Brexit. How important are these to the future of personal injury in the UK and what do you hope they will eventually achieve? So I think you're probably right in thinking that they'll move back a further 12 months. Um, we've just had the announcement that the ADR part of the whiplash reforms has been uh, has, has effectively been binned, and I think that in itself um, represents quite a significant issue um, in terms of how well the whiplash reforms are going to achieve their their objectives. I think it's not just the cost recoverability or the or the new tariffs that set set out these these whiplash reforms but more an intention from insurers to handle the the, the claimants themselves um, and i think that the new portal will give that opportunity um, i think i think the initial work that's been done on it looks very promising but ultimately it is down to how the insurers then behave um, and, and perhaps modify their current um, approach to to low value claims um, it's going to be difficult for them to adjust to interacting with litigants in person on a on a mass basis but it is very much um, the way that it m sort of moves forward um, it it takes the costs out of the process provided that the insurers engage in that process in the way that it's uh, that it's perhaps been intended the removal of the ADR however I suspect might actually um, put paid to some of those some of those savings because there'll be a unless the communication process works very smoothly, there'll be a misunderstanding between the litigants as to what they're actually entitled to and what they thought that they were entitled to. Um, and if that results in many more of the claims going further down the process than they do at the moment, then that uh, 
that one, that cost savings is not going to be recognised, but also it's actually going to become a much more complicated process than the one that's currently in place. Mark, Mark Strang, what have you got to add to that? Yeah, I, I think it's a real opportunity for insurers to increase the speed of settlement. Um, albeit there are more complicated claims, um, potentially are going to run into issues that Mark just talked about. Um, the simpler claims should settle more quickly. And it's almost a way that insurers can promote themselves to these litigants in person that they haven't historically been able to do because it's always been through a, um, a representative. So it's a real sort of spotlight on insurers and what their customer service can be like. And I think quite a few are talking about really, really taking that on board and, and going over above and beyond in comparison to what they would have done in the past. But technology is obviously quite an important part of that. Yeah, and I suppose we talked in our hypothesis about the whiplash forms being being removed, moving back because of Brexit and COVID-19. And speaking of COVID-19, uh, as we know, the courts have had to get used to remote hearings during this lockdown. Do you see, Mark Hewitt, this becoming more of a permanent fixture for JSM's ADR and even trials in the future pertaining to personal injury claims? I, I, I think the first part is that I would say, I hope so. Um, <laughs> one, one of the main things, in my opinion, that, that has come out of lockdown is that it has been much easier to get groups of people together at short notice by by removing by, by making the hearings remote you remove this trying to organize a room to get everyone together sorting out travel plans you know it's it's not it's not necessarily the easiest thing to get uh, to get barristers solicitors and the claimant and the insurers all in all in the same place um, at the at the same time, and I and I think that by taking the travel out of the out of the process, it makes it easier to get people together at at shorter notice. So that part of it will speed up the process. Um, however, the other side to that is that there are um, certainly solicitors, barristers who have honed their um, JSM skills um, to be very much about the face-to-face -face part of the part of the process and all of a sudden that changes and so I think that there is always where, where you as an individual feel that you are more persuasive in a physical environment than you are in a face-to-face -face, then you're going to be resistant to that idea of, of moving everything to a to a virtual um, JSM but I think that that's just something that people will learn to do um, and, and I think the important thing from the um, from the process perspective is that I believe that the the JSMs can be arranged quicker. I think generally the people that we've spoken to who have done virtual JSMs have said actually that even the JSM itself has run 
more efficiently. People have been more focused on trying to achieve the achieve the desired desired outcome. So I hope that it is something that actually stays within people's thought process during the during the process and that also we then start to build new technology around facilitating the um, that online process so all of a sudden we find that there'll be additions to rather than it just being whether Microsoft Teams or whether Zoom or any other um, platform that you choose to use but also there'll be other facilitative technology that helps the that helps the online online process. So I think it's a it's an opportunity not to be missed. Now, of course, um, the hypothesis we have automation is playing a much greater part in the handling settlement of low value personal injury claims in the future. But I've come to you, Mark Mark Strang. How do you think that? How do you see that changing between now and 2030 in terms of the use of automation? I think it's going to play a huge role uh, in the next 10 years. And there are some levels of automation at the moment in, in personal injury claims, but it's on the very simplest of parts of the claim. Um, for example, linking with the compensation recovery unit. Uh, there, are, there are little components that are automated in different ways and possibly payments as well. But the whole, the whole um, flow is going to change from this very small minority of automation to sort of probably even 80%, you know, 80%, which are going to be highly automated. Um, that whole sort of 80-20 rule kicking in. Um, but I think triaging is going to be really, really important because some claimants and litigation, litigants in person are going to require a lot of hand-holding and that's quite a different skill set to what exists at the moment in a lot of claims departments. They're, they're typically adversarial, dealing with the claimant representative, um, and there's a very different customer service type of skill set that's needed. And some litigants in person are going to need that. That's going to be very important. Others, though, aren't going to be interested in talking to anyone. They're going to be absolutely fine using technology to settle a claim that might be just a few hundred pounds um, and the insurers are not going to want people that are at the moment very experienced personal injury handlers dealing with those types of claims it just doesn't make financial sense so that's really what's driving this this automation but there's, there's various things that need to happen for that to take place so the medical reports are still going to need to be generated they need to be in some way dealt with so there's, there is technology out there that can can read essentially read the medical report and then import the relevant details and value the claim um, and that will be either from the tariff from the reforms or the traditional uh, common law valuation or combination of the two so it's really important for insurers to understand what's tariff what's not tariff and what's a mixture um, and prove that they are settling the claim very accurately and fairly to claimants because there's not the representative now involved to either justify that or not. So it's going to be very important for insurers to know that that value is absolutely fair and uh, n you know not contentious at all. 
Mark Hewitt, what would you like to add? I think the I think the um, automation part will will need to be um, sort of backed up by an improvement or or an advancement of the the fraud detection systems to ensure that in that the insurers are happy that they are um, adequately compensating the right claims and making sure that the the claims that previously may well have been filtered by um, by the person injury by the claimant law firms the role of which is you know no longer exists um, so there'll be a need not just to provide um, technology in terms of the automation but also to improve the the fraud systems as well to make sure that everyone's happy that the right people are being are being compensated without just this blanket sort of compensate all approach which would end up being quite considerably more expensive. Can I ask uh, Mark, Mark Hewitt this time, um, at the ethanol stage with the explosion of ADAS, what are the benefits um, of insurers being immediately notified electronically that a vehicle has been involved in an accident? Well, um, a couple of days ago, I watched a video of a, uh, of a Tesla running on autopilot. Um, and it drove straight into a stationary truck. Um, so I, I think perhaps fully automated driving systems might well be uh, be a little bit further off than than manufacturers, some manufacturers would like us to believe. But I, but but crash detection systems have been in place now for for a good number of uh, for a good number of years, and I think that that's likely to lead to a. a a consistent advancement in in what happens at the point of crash detection um, early notification just allows the insurer to take hold of the process without basically allowing any time for third parties to uh, to get involved it's it certainly seems to be um, the view of the insurers that is the third parties add costs to the process, add delays to the process. The advantage from the electronic notification, um, so event occurs, car simply sends an email notification to the insurer saying, I've been in an accident. Um, at that point, that will give the insurer the ability to, to proactively handle not just the their insured, but also to interact with the with the third party, um, and I think that that will first off will enhance the or reduce the incidence of fraud because if you can get all of the details right at the outset of the incident rather than asking people to recollect of the events sometimes as much as 12, 18 months after the after it's occurred. Um, that in itself is going to make the make the process easier. And as people become more um, comfortable with the technology that's available, so people be more open to the idea of will you let the insurer know, you know, 
access to your car to your vehicle data system so all of a sudden you can recreate the the actual um, crash scenario so you can sort out liability um, pretty much straight away so you're not asking someone to admit liability because it's all being done by a by a computer system that says well actually you're the one that either ran into the back of someone or you're the one that ran the red light and, and so on or I, I think I think all of those will, will simply aid the process by making it much more fluid um, and also much much quicker. Obviously we're recording this podcast um, in, in lockdown still uh, one of the kind of issues that has been raised about this is do you think there are any dangers linked with employers liability claims because of the increase in home working for employers and, and how can this be contained uh, Mark Hewitt? I think I think um, there will be a move over time so that so that employers will look to do risk assessment um, I think Obviously, lockdown meant it was very much a quick exodus out of the office. Um, you know, for for some people, it was it was a phone call to say, um, "Yes, come in today, pick up your computer and your monitor, and go home." Um, I think I think in a more you know once once lockdown is is not necessarily lifted, but just sort of lifted a little, um, I think businesses will start to look towards um, doing a risk assessment, making sure that people have the right desk, the right chair, the right the right setup for working, rather than at the moment where it's just very much an ad hoc. You know, previously, it was working from home on an ad hoc basis. If this is going to become a more, a more permanent um, situation for people i think i think that's that's the approach the difficulty unfortunately with any um home worker accident is that ultimately there is there's unlikely to be any witnesses um you pretty much have to take it on on face value but i think that will then also lead to a um to a discussion as to whether it's the employer liability or is it the homeowner policy that should cover what's take what's taken place. So, so I think that there will be perhaps a little bit of satellite litigation that takes place as the you know as, as some of these um, claims start to start to come come through. Um, but yeah, I, I I think ultimately the. The simple answer is yes, there will be an increase in occurrence, um, but I'm sure that uh, the businesses will be quite keen, just in the same way that you know, regularly you do assessments in, in your own in your own office. So it will be just the same for you know. I anticipate someone will come around and do an an evaluation of of the the home environment. And of course, you know, the, there's talk about CMCs potentially taking advantage of this. And Mark Hewitt, how do you see the role of CMCs evolving over the next decade? I think this is in the hands of the insurer. Um, I, I think that if the, if the insurers 
take a proactive hand-holding approach to, to claims that will minimise um, the opportunities for CMCs. Um, if they choose to take a quite bullish approach um, and be quite, um, that, that is, let's say, off-putting or difficult to litigants in person, then that will simply um, create an environment for CMCs. We, we've seen it in the past um, with the payment protection, uh, so PPI, where the, where the claimants have made it quite, um, quite obvious that they are willing to, let's say, sacrifice an amount of money to be isolated from the process. So PPI, all you had to do was send a letter to your, to your bank, um, and it was a relatively easy process. But people were still willing to basically hand over 25, 30% of, of that money just for someone to fill in a form for them. So, so I think this is very much... Now, insurers have been quite um, vocal that they that they don't believe that CMCs add anything to the process. Um, this is perhaps their you know, their moment to um, to prove that that they're right about that. Um, and, and if they if they really make a process that is that is helpful. And, and assistive to the claimant, then then there won't be an opportunity for CMCs. But as I say, it's very much in the in the hands of the insurer. Well, unfortunately, we have run out of time. So, like I say, big thank you to the two Marks, Mark Hewitt and Mark Strang. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. I'd just like to remind you that this podcast is part of the ongoing Future Focus series uh, in post in association with the risk. So please keep your eyes out for the July issue of post, which will have the personal injury installment. And also to remind you to go back to June where we covered motor. There's also an associated podcast with that, which is well worth a listen. But until the next episode, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio, everybody. Mm-hmm.